And so today we're going to finish up our series called Leverage. Leverage. Uh, in week one, Pastor David taught us about leveraging our lives for God's kingdom. You know, we learned that we are God's plan A. We're God's plan A. And we are invited to be a part of his plan. And God promised all believers that he would make us fishers of men. But here's the, here's the catch right here is that we have to respond to that call. We have to respond to God's call in our lives to be fishers of men. And when we do that, he will use us and accomplish great things through us for his kingdom. Week two, it was last week, Pastor Michael taught us to leverage our lives for our kids. That as adults, God has charged us with leading our households in a godly manner And that alongside the church, we bring up our kids in the knowledge of who Christ is. And that as parents, we would be willing to sacrifice for our children. And that Jesus, Jesus wants to bless our children. This week, we're going to end a series uh, on on, on leveraging your gifts for God's kingdom. And gifts are kind of a funny thing. Um, Gifts, how many know there are good gifts and there's bad gifts? Has anybody ever got a bad gift for Christmas? Maybe you got your grandma, got you that ugly sweater. And it's, and there's things about when you get a, at least in my, in my world, when I got a sweater from my grandma, it was either two things, but it was always going to be ugly. Um, it was going to be either two sizes too big or two sizes too small. And it's something you would just never wear, but you got to hold it up and she wants you to smile, put it on, try it on, smile for the camera. And those are just, man, that's just a bad, bad gift. I remember when I was about eight or nine years old, um, we used to go to my grandma's house out in the country uh, outside of Americas, and, and uh, she had eight kids, and oh, I think there's like 32 grandkids, and so we would gather for Christmas in a big old family reunion type thing, and, and this one year, eight or nine years old, grandma had gotten us gifts, and, and, and we were all like excited because she usually doesn't do that, 32 grandkids, so, you know, that's a lot to buy for kids, and, and I don't know what my expectations were, but she did give us... That year, we got a bag of oranges and a jar of peanut butter. And when you're eight years old, there's no way to hide. <laughs> there's no way to hide that excitement, right? <laughs> Thank you, Grandma. This, this is great. It's not even Jif. It's, <laughs> it's, this is no-name peanut butter, and I don't eat oranges. So it's, hard to, it's hard to have that excitement, right, when you, when you have that bad gift. But to top it off, she had a favorite grandchild, you know, nobody likes the favorite grandchild. And, and it was my cousin, Shane. Now, Shane had an edge on us because Shane, Shane lived in the same town as my grandma. So he was always at her house. But here we are holding bags of oranges and peanut butter, and, and he gets a video game. So he's, getting, he's got this Atari video game, and he's just all excited. And we're just looking, we, we're about to stab him, you know? Like, you can't show excitement. but this is not right. Do that behind closed doors. But that's a bad, like, when you're eight or nine years old, that is a bad that's a bad gift, but, but there's good gifts too, right? There are good gifts in our lives. I think about a good gift that I got a couple of years ago. Uh, I met a man in this church, Scott Turner, and we've become really good friends. But a, but a few years ago, he and I met, and we, we share some commonalities. Uh, I love cars, and, and uh, not just any car. I like fast cars. All right? I, I, I'm, I got a wife. I got three daughters. I got a little fluffy dog. There's nothing nothing manly about my house, all right? It is full of estrogen. Um, I'm wearing pink all the time. I'm uh, taking bubble baths, and 
there's nothing manly in, in, but Scott, he rescued me. Scott rescued me. He's like, hey, hey, man, you want to go to a car show? And this was Father's Day weekend a couple of years ago. And like, heck yeah, I want to go to a car show. That'd be great. Anything, anything. And, and he's like, I'll come by and pick you up. And, and, and Scott came and picked me up and he drove up and he's driving this blue Corvette 06. And like, I love cars. I love fast cars. And I was just like, yes, yes. This is manly. This is manly. And, uh, we get in the car and we're taking, like, we're driving responsibly. I promise you that. We were, we were a responsible speed. Uh, and I won't tell you what that was, but it was responsible. It was, it was fun. Uh, but we go to this car show and we leave the car show. He's like, has the keys. He's like, you want to drive? I'm like, oh, I do want to drive. Uh, I, I do. Let me, let me grab that thing. And so uh, we were driving out in the country. And he's like, man, just get on it, get on it. And just the thrill of working through those gears and, and getting put back in your seat and just grinning from ear to ear. And I'm like, this is the best day ever. This is the best. And we go to his house and it's not over with, man. In his garage, 1966 Chevelle. And this is not just something, it's not just the, it's been souped up. It's got like a supercharger on it. It's the back drag radios on it, this wide. When he cranked it up, it sounded like a jet engine. And he's like, you want to ride? I'm like, <laughs> I do, because you can't drive this. It's too dangerous, but you can ride in it. And so we're trying to figure out. That has like five-point racing harness, and we don't even know how to buckle them up. We're just like, all right. He said, just hold on to the roll bar. We'll be okay. <laughs> and so I'm like, sure, man, that's great. And so we're out in the country, and he get, we're doing like 60 miles an hour, and he just gets on it. And I'm just like laughing. And when he hit the gas, I started crying. I'm like going, you know, you have that feeling like you're going to die, but you're enjoying it every minute of it. <laughs> and so... That's what it was, man. It was just like, yes, yes. And he hit the gas. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to die. But this is awesome. Don't stop. And, and so I'm holding on to Robar, and I'm just like scared but excited. And we get back to the house. I just think about that. That was just, that wasn't a monetary gift. That wasn't a physical gift that Scott gave him. He gave me the gift of time. Knew and I love cars. And, and actually, I was going through a little bit of something at the time, you know, uh, some discouragement and things in my life. And, and man, for that day, Man, man, I needed that. I needed that. And so to me, a gift, a good gift is less about the physical gift, but it's the thought that goes behind it. You know, God has given each of us a gift. And, and yes, for those who call ourselves Christians, we get, the, we get the gift of salvation. That is a great, it's the best gift. But I'm talking about spiritual gifts, physical gifts and talents that we all have. Today, I'm going to teach you how to leverage those gifts and talents for God's kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask you, number one, Lord, I am thankful for the opportunity to, to teach today, Lord, about leveraging our gifts for your kingdom, God. Lord, you've called each and every one of us, Lord, to use our gifts, no matter how small we think they are, Lord, and use our talents, God, not just to not just for ourselves, God, but to reach others to increase your kingdom, day, uh, your kingdom, Lord. And God, I'm asking that today, Lord, that eyes, ears, and hearts are open, Lord, to receive the word that every one of us today have something to learn about using our gifts for your kingdom, God. I just wanted, God, you encourage, to encourage, Lord. May this be a sermon of encouragement to those who are in discouragement right now, Lord. I pray these things in your sweet and holy name.
Amen. Turn your Bibles. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. We look at verse 10 and 11. Give you a second. My mouth's getting dry. But scripture says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? If you do, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So the first point is simply this. See, I told you my mouth was dry. The first point is simply this. God has given each of us a gift. And this is not some bad Christmas present, right? This is not oranges and peanut butter. Uh, God has given you a gift. He's given you a talent. So the question is, what are you doing with those gifts and talents? And, and some, of me, some of you may have the attitude of Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Who, who knows who Eeyore is? Am I that? All right. So I was wondering about this point and when I was writing this, I was like, Man, nobody's going to know who Eeyore is. Eeyore, you know, he's the one, he, like, you can have great things going on. Eeyore is just going to bring the temperature down just a little bit. You know, he's just going to, he would say he's just bringing lividity to the situation, but actually he's just sucking the life out of the room. You know, he's just like, thanks for noticing me. You know, uh, maybe you're Eeyore in your life when you think about gifts that, that maybe you don't have the gift that someone else has. And, and maybe you have that attitude. And if you don't know an Eeyore in your life, because I think most of us know an Eeyore, there is a good chance that you are that Eeyore. You're, you're the one sucking the life out of the room. I'm gonna, I'm gonna encourage you, if you don't know what you are, start doing some self-evaluation and don't be that person that just sucks the fun out of everything. Um, so I can look at myself and say, I, I would love to play the drums. I would love to be able to worship and sing and, and I would be able, there's a lot of things. I would love to be able to paint. I can paint, but it's not good. I would love to have the ability to paint good. Um, and we can look at other people's gifts and talents and start looking at ourselves, right? There's a danger in that. We're comparing our talents, what God has for us, with other people because maybe they have something that's cooler. I mean, how cool would it be if I could snub here with a guitar and sing like Spence? That would be awesome. But it would, be, it would actually be terrible because I cannot sing, I cannot play. Um, and so we have to kind of stay in our lane, remember that when we compare ourselves to others, we need to know that comparison is acid to our souls. And so may we stop looking at what we don't have and stop looking at what we can't do and maybe we start looking at what we do have and looking at what we can do. Look what God has given you. When you start questioning your giftings, you say that your gifts are small and insignificant, then you're saying that God, who is the creator of those gifts, created you small and insignificant. And let me tell you, God did not do that. He says that we are more than conquerors. Each and every one of us, 
are more than conquerors. We are not small. We are not insignificant. Maybe we have the attitude that we're basically saying, when we have the attitude, we're saying, God, you made a mistake with me. You know, again, man, they can do this. They can do that. God, you skipped me when it came to giving of the talents. And I'm telling you, God does not make mistakes. He didn't make a mistake with you. He did not make a mistake with me. And sometimes, sometimes maybe the hardest thing to figure out is how to use our gifts and talents. I believe it starts with passion. Passion. What are you passionate about in your life? You know, when you're passionate about something, you'll pursue it. I believe like when you're passionate about something, not only will you pursue it, but you will sacrifice to make it happen. I, uh, I remember when Rob and I started dating, March of 1990. Look, I didn't have a lot of money. And I'm married, or look, she's way above my league. She, she's, I'm out of my league, but above my pay grade is what we would say in the Marines. And uh, it's like my grandpa used to tell me, my grandpa was full of great, great wisdom, but he used to tell me, Darren, when it comes to dating and marriage, make sure you're the ugly one. And so I nailed it. I was the ugly one. And so, uh, I mean, I'm dating this hot girl in high school. I cannot believe, like, she is just wonderful. Not only is she beautiful on the outside, but she is beautiful on the inside. And we just... You know how you, know, you finish each other's sentences. You know, like you, ma- you start matching. You don't even know. And that's the kind of relationship we had. You know, and so I was dating her. And I was passionate about dating her. I mean, I, I was pursuing her. But here's the problem. Like when you're broke, <laughs> it's kind of hard to impress a girl, right? It's, it's uh, like you have to go on a date. And like, you know, that saying you live on love, eh, it doesn't really, doesn't really work that way. <laughs> for Maybe for a while. But if we had... Date night, maybe it was a Friday and Saturday night uh, date. I, I didn't have the money to do that because I got, I think, like 20 bucks a week for allowance, you know. And, and so what I would do, I would skip lunch. I'd stop eating lunch during the week to save that money so I could date my girl. And so, man, that's what you do when you're passionate about something, and you will sacrifice for it. I won't do it now. I got her. We're married. <laughs> I ain't sacrificing no meals. You ain't getting, no, we in McDonald's, you get your own fries. I want all this. We're going to do a sermon series on this one day. Woman, get your hands off my fries. I want them all. I'll get you your own, but I want mine. Every one. So I'm sorry. I get distracted, but uh, that's just on my heart. I feel like God's doing a movement here. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, point two. We are called to be good, you know, it's okay to laugh in church. It's okay to have fun. Um, We are called to be good stewards of God's gift. Somebody's not happy. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So God has given us a gift, and then it says here, use them well. Use them well for what? To serve ourselves? No, it goes on to say, use them well to serve one another. You ever hear the saying, uh, use it or lose it? Um, my first major in college, uh, I was in sports medicine. And so uh, when an athlete or anybody like breaks an arm, let's say, and they have a cast on, they're wearing the cast for eight to 10 weeks, or whatever. When that cast finally comes off, you'll see that our arm has shriveled. 
it, the muscle, and the technical term for that is muscular atrophy, right? That muscle has shriveled, it's gotten, it's gotten weak because it hasn't been used. And so our faith is kind of like that, isn't it? If you, aren't, if you aren't using your gifts, if you aren't using your talents for God's kingdom, you are in atrophy. Your faith is shriveled. Your faith is weak. And I know that's strong. That's a strong statement. statement and that's probably a little radical to be saying from the pulpit. But it has to be said. Because God didn't create our gifts just for us. You heard the song, you know, hide it in a bushel, no? I'm gonna let, no, you gotta let it shine. You gotta use your gifts, not just for yourself, but you use it for other people as well. Let's see what the, James has to say about this. I'm gonna turn to James chapter one. James chapter one, verse 22 through 24. James says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. Church, we do not need to forget what we look like as Christians, if you aren't living your life using your gifts and talents for God's kingdom, you are in spiritual atrophy, and that's not what God wants for you. He wants so much more. God knows you. He loves you. He created you. You say you want to be a better husband. You want to be a better father, a better leader, a better mother, a better wife, a better friend. It doesn't happen by wanting. You have to do things to reach those goals. Like I could walk into a gym, I could go there month on month and just hope I get six pack abs. By the way, I have six pack abs. I'm just protecting them right now. I got them, I got them well surrounded. But I could walk into a gym and I could say, month after month after month, I want six pack abs. I'm going into the gym, right? I'm going in, I'm watching everybody else work out. It's kind of fun. I'm not working out, but I want those six pack abs. It's not happening. No, no, no. If I want those six-pack abs, I got to put the work in. I got to go to the gym, all right? I got to lift those weights. I got to get the cardio in, right? I got to probably change my diet. Uh-oh. Uh, I got to watch what goes into my body, but I got to put the work in. I got to put the work in. You know, so you can't expect your life to change. You can't expect your life to, to move forward for the better if you don't put the work in. You want to transform life? Stop going to the gym and watch other people work out. Stop sitting down, hoping that things get better. No, 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 no. You got to pick up those weights, right? You got to pick up the weight of serving. You got to pick up the weight of being the person that God called you to be. It doesn't happen without the work. It's just wishful thinking if you don't put in the work. Number three, we serve to bring glory to God. The passage goes on to say, it says, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever, amen. So church, we don't serve others to get a pat on the back, all right? We don't serve others so that people will see how awesome we are. Look how I'm serving, I'm so humble. We serve humbly in everything we do 
in a way that brings honor and glory to God. Remember, people are watching you. You, you put that fish on the back of your car, you claim you're a Christian, people are watching you. So be generous. Be a generous giver. Don't short your waitress on a tip, even if you get bad service. If you're claiming Jesus is your savior, love her through that. Love him through that. Be a generous giver. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your talents. Be generous with your resources. I don't know, maybe one of the roadblocks that we face when it comes to using our gifts or our talents is that we know what our gifts and talents are. But maybe, maybe just maybe we've lost our passion. Maybe we can't even dream anymore. Maybe the murkiness of life and the, and the junk we're going through has just gotten so overwhelming when I say dream, you're like, what is it? A dream is for that young couple that's dating. A dream is for newlyweds. I don't dream anymore. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you with this next passage. I want you to listen because I'm telling you this word is for you. If you dream no more, if you can't even think what the dream is, if you've lost your passion, this is for you. Mark chapter 8 says, then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Now I know this, this story is about Jesus healing a physically blind man. I believe these Bible stories that we hear, like you can take the truth of that story and apply it to your life. So he, he was physically blind and maybe you're not physically blind, but you're blind. You can't see. Your heart is not allowing you to see. You've lost your passion. Your energy is gone. You just exist. Just trying to make it to the next payday. Just trying to get your kids through school. Trying to figure out how to pay rent. Health issues. Death and family. All go through these things from time to time. I want to encourage you don't lose your passion. Don't stop dreaming because God's placed that passion, those dreams in your heart. Because I want to say, so he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he has spit on his eyes, that's gross. Um, <laughs> but Jesus did it, so it's okay. Um, and when he spit into his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And the man looked up and he said, I see men like trees walking. So I got a question for you, church. If, if the guy was blind, how did he know what trees looked like? I'll tell you, because that blind man used to be able to see. He had eyesight, but he lost it. And I know there are people sitting here right now today that used to be fired up. You used to dream, used to have passion, but you lost it. Maybe you're like the blind man here. Maybe some of you have some of the sight back. Maybe you see things, but you're just not seeing things clearly. But you know that there's something better. The passage goes on to say, 
Then he put his hands on his high eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. I know God has touched some of our some of us in here throughout our lives. Maybe this is you. Maybe back in the day, God touched you. But maybe, maybe you need God to do it again. And that's what's so great about our God. He's the God of again and again. When the man's eyes were open, he was able to see his family, his city, his world, his church. He saw his purpose clearly.